Lucy Kippist here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and the co-host with Robert Gerrish of this Flying Solo podcast. Now, before I introduce our guest, let me tell you about Flying Solo's premium membership. There's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you'll get a full page listing in the directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos and a copy of the Flying Solo book and much more, all for just $99. Now on to the show. Kath Connell is the founder of Wholehearted Marketing, a consultancy that specialises in helping other businesses put their why at the centre of their marketing. Welcome to Flying Solo, Kath. Hi, Lucy. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I have been meaning to get you on the podcast for ages. Uh, You've been a contributor to Flying Solo for so many years now, and your articles are always so positive. I love how you get us to focus on the reason we started our business, and then... It feels like you put the focus on the reason we started the business and the passion we have for what we do as the basis of your marketing kind of plans. Um, this always strikes me as different as, as to the other people that sort of try and project something that we're not or project something that we should mm-hmm. be. Um, I would absolutely love to know a bit more about the why of your business to start off with. What, what is your why and how did you come up with it? Well, it's been a bit of a journey, actually. Um, so I originally started out in corporate and I, I got pregnant with my son the week that the dream promotion at my company came up. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I was going to be corporate super mum. Mm-hmm. And um, I only took three months maternity leave, went back to work, you know, pretty much straight away, full time. Wow. Um, and that was great until it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and then when my son was three, the GFC hit and I was working in the paper industry and it got really, really hit hard. Mm. So I was one of the first um, redundancies out of that and I was like very, very excited because four days earlier I'd had this business idea. And I went, I'm going to start a business. So, of course, in my wonderful wisdom of coming out of the paper industry, I started a stationary business. Uh-huh. Um, and that again was great until it wasn't. <laughs> um, and so after four years and trying to make that business work, I uh, had to make a very, very difficult decision to close it down. Mm-hmm. And what was really interesting with that was the sort of looking at it going, well, I've got two choices here. One is to go back and get a job. And I knew that if I got a job, I'd have to get a big corporate kind of marketing job or the other alternative was to try and start again and it kind of came to me all at once one day I was sort of heading out into my little studio which I've got in my backyard and it's really really beautiful that in every other aspect of my life apart from the financial success of my business I had been incredibly successful Mm -hmm. and so my family life was great I had gorgeous home I had this beautiful studio my son was thriving um, I had all these new friends I'd made through business. I had a social life. I was looking after my health really well in comparison to what I'd done when I was working. All those sorts of things were really, really good. And I'm like going, I think this is the secret. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, 
and maybe for, especially for mums, that I don't like limiting myself just to mums in business um, because I think there's lots of people out there who can get incredible business, um, incredible success in their business um, and a life with their business that they wouldn't have if they were working for somebody else. So true. Um, that this might be, well, I don't like using the word balance because nobody likes using the word balance, but the way of being able to actually integrate their life with being able to earn an income. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I could see, you know, because I've been hanging out with um, people in business for the previous four years, a lot of people were struggling. And a lot of the time they were struggling with the really basics of running a business. A lot of them, people come into running their own business from a background that's not a business background. So they're really great at what they do and they love what they do, but um, they haven't got a really solid foundation um, in business. They often don't know exactly who their ideal client is or what they should be exactly offering and, and all that sort of stuff. And I knew that with my marketing background, um, I'd be able to help them. And so that's sort of what I've been doing ever since. Um, so really it's about, you know, creating, I suppose, is that social change that comes as well by people having more time to either spend with their kids or be part of their communities or actively pursuing their creative life or whatever it is that's driving them um, in not just their business but in their whole life, um, that I can help them be more successful in their business so they can financially support all those other things as well. Yeah, it's, it's sort of become the, 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 the core of their life and that's had a ripple effect on everything else. Well, yeah, but it's like there's an awful lot of people out there where their like their business takes over their life too. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then they end up basically being like a in a job, but for themselves. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so this is about being able to really structure those two things so they work together. So maybe they're not going to make the millions um, that you know you might do if you were dedicating your whole life to running a business. Yeah. Um, but that's not what is most important to them. And, um, you know, being able to share your unique gifts with the world and make a living from it is, is really what I'm about and being able to help them do that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what it is. That sounds awesome. And, I mean, averagely, what, at what point of business are your clients coming to you? Is it sort of within the first five years? Is it a bit later? Um, both. Okay. Um, so I don't tend to work a lot with startup, like really beginners. I tend to work with people who are sort of maybe two, three, four years in where the rubber's starting to hit the road mm. and they actually have to make their business work. Um, and some of them will have achieved great success but not entirely, you know, like financially and not exactly knowing why and how. And then they're wanting to continue growing that. And some of them are starting to struggle a bit going, this is not working, what's going on? Um, but the other kind of people that I work with quite a bit are people who have had one successful business but are perhaps even wanting to slow down and scale back. So they've had a bigger business but are wanting to do something different that has more purpose behind it and, and gives them a bit more meaning in that side of things as well. So I kind of work with both of those. So some of those people have been in their businesses for, you know, 10 years or more. Mm. And so in a, in a recent article that you wrote for us on Flying Solo, you talked about the three things to help you, I guess, um, 
identify your value in your business. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. Can we start by talking about what the difference between your business or why and the value of your business is, or is there a distinction there? Um, look, it is. It, it makes it hard in some ways because putting a price on yourself can be really hard. Um, because you're, especially when you've got a really strong purpose-driven value um, business, um, and, and it comes in two ways. It's either like what you're offering is priceless, you know, in that sort of MasterCard kind of way. Um, but alternatively, you often don't know exactly how great you are yeah. because it's because you are so good and, you know, you love what you do and you're good at it and everything. You Some people don't want to sell themselves out too. And really big issue is people in like creative industries or well-being and um, where they feel like they don't deserve to earn a lot of money doing what they do. Um, and that can be a real issue as well because, you know, it's their passion. Yes. Um, and we kind of often steered away from our passions to the more sensible choices that make money. Yeah. Um, but the fact is is that value, for, money, for me, money is like a way of exchanging energy. And if it's not even in some way, um, then you're actually not making an even transaction. So if, if people appreciate your creativity or they appreciate the fact that you're helping them get well or whatever, that has great value to them, that they're prepared to exchange whatever energy they've earned through having a job or running their own business or whatever um, for that. And mm. so it's really important that you do that so you have that even exchange. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I see that. That's such a lovely way of, of looking at it. And I wonder when you talk to them about people who are working in more, well, in businesses that they're passionate about, which is such a privilege, obviously. I wonder if sometimes the mentality of that is, well, I'm doing what I love and it, and it suits my lifestyle, so I don't really need to charge a lot. Like I don't need to focus on the, the monetary value. I wonder if that's a bit of a quandary in people's minds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you will say, but I would do this for free, but don't. Yeah, don't do it for free. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, and this has been an interesting, um, and I'm originally as a graphic designer and I don't know, you know, the graphic design industry has taken a real hit <laughs> mm. as um, the value of what we have for design. And look, some of it is because life has just gotten so much easier as a designer with the technologies that are available to us and being able to do things a lot quicker and easier. But um, this idea of, you know, like if this person charges X and they live in Brazil or India or whatever, um, or someone can do it themselves, then I can't charge what I'm worth. Mm. And that's just, you just can't do that because, you know, you're still offering a service um, that is, beyond the actual physical thing that you're providing. Yes. Um, and it's about really understanding what is it that you're actually providing that from an emotional point of view to your customer that's beyond just the thing that you're providing, the service or the product that you're providing. And therefore, what kind of value does that have in their life? Mm. Um, and that can then, you know, that starts driving how you price yourself. And, and what if does... The, I suppose your tenure in your particular field, does that impact your pricing structure? Like if I'd been a, say I'd been a, a physio for 
five years, but the person up the road had been a physio, physio for 15 years? Um, you know, technically it should, I suppose. And, and what but people tend to go, but they're not going to pay more. Mm. Um, but if you've got all that wealth of experience, that, that, that in itself has a value to it as well. Mm. Um, I think some people, I think most people tend to take that tenure into account to some degree. Um, but if you've got self-doubt around it or anything like that, then that can often influence whether you value yourself as well. Um, I mean, I think probably more of the issue is that there are going to be some people, no matter what you charge, that won't pay you what you're asking. Yeah. Right. And they'll say they can't afford it or they'll put up some barriers or whatever. And maybe they genuinely can't can't afford it but most of the time is that they're really not understanding the value that you offer yeah um and then they're not being prepared to prioritize that so you know there are plenty of people out there and i I know this is the market that i used to do is that you know i'd have these beautiful journals for kids and the kids would get really excited about them and then their parents would go oh we can't afford that or whatever and then they'd go and buy them spend the same amount of money on an item of jewellery or some food or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're going, actually, that's got nothing to do with money and everything to do with what people were valuing. Yes. Um, so it's about being able to honour that value within yourself and go, I'm worth this. And maybe if you don't value that, you're not my ideal customer. Mm. Excellent um, point. Yeah. And another point you make in this article so is actually about how we think about our own business in 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 relation to how much we put, place sorry in relation to what our value is in our business so i'm messing your words around a bit but what you said was you know um how much we're charging our clients can actually impact on our own enthusiasm for our work oh absolutely and i suppose as part of this where you're going well you know, I, I mean, I know that I could make a lot more money if I decided to work with much bigger businesses, for example, but that's not where my passion lies. Mm. And, you, and you kind of go, well, there, there is that around that and there's a lot of social pressure as well. Um, you know, I find that it's particularly in this small business area, there's this, you know, you're not a success unless you're earning a million dollars or have a six-figure launch or that kind of stuff that goes around. But then there's also that idea of, you know, you go, but I can't compete against somebody in India who's charging $5 an hour. And it's yeah. like, well, don't. You know, you can't because, you know, you, you'd earn more money going and working at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, so there is that, you know, that skills. The other thing is, of course, is working for time. And I think this is one of the things I mentioned in the article is that just because you get, better and faster at doing something doesn't mean that you should charge less. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're really great at something and you're doing something that you love and you're really, really good at it and, you know, this is particularly for, for people where it is based on time, so, you know, like writers or designers, that kind of stuff, or anything kind of with a skill base about it. If you get faster and faster and faster because you're doing it all the time and you're building mastery and, and all that kind of stuff, if you're charging by the hour, you're actually going to be taking a pay cut. Hmm. Um, whereas, in fact, the value of what you're offering isn't less. 
Mm. It's more. Yeah. <laughs> Often because you're turning it around faster and um, able to, and, and having that experience, you're also better under, under, able to understand what your customers really want and need. Yeah. Um, and so that actually is of more value to them. So like you can read between the lines of their brief, in other words. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's about actually telling them what they really need. Yes. Um, or being able to ask the right questions to be able to draw out what they really need. Mm. Um, and that comes with experience. Um, and that then has much better value than just being able to whip up a solution really quickly. Absolutely. And now on the other side of that, if we, you also mentioned that if we as passionate business owners are got our value right and we're, we're charging what we think we're worth and we've got our client base, we're working really hard and we suddenly hit, well, for want of a better word, but like burnout. We're getting really tired. We're getting really frustrated. Stuff's mm. feeling heavy all of a sudden. You've actually said, you know, hey, that could be a, a bit of a wake-up call for yourself to go, are you actually valuing yourself enough? Do you yeah. need, like, this is an opportunity here to go, hmm, maybe I need to actually increase my prices. Can you explain that a bit more? Oh, absolutely. And this is always that sort of, especially when you're getting really, really, really busy, um, it's usually a good sign that you need to put your prices yes. up. I mean, there is that kind of economic market, supply and demand type stuff going on. And it really depends on what kind of business you're trying to grow to. Because if you're actually wanting to grow a bigger business, then, then it's a sign that you need staff. Um, mm. which is going to hit your profitability for a bit, but that's what you're going to do. But for a soloist, if you're dedicated to being a soloist, then you can be more selective with your market. Um, and so putting your prices up a little bit, one of two things is going to happen. Either people will drop off um, because they weren't, they're not prepared to pay you or they're going to go with you because they love you and they want to stay with you and you're going to make more money and everyone's happier. You're right. So, um, and that just is how you can then control your business within your life as well. So you're not having to work harder and harder and harder because I think, you know, so many soloists in particular end up working silly hours yes, <laughs> and burning themselves out or, have, or having, you know, suddenly going, hey, I started this business because I wanted freedom and flexibility to spend <laughs> with my kids and I'm never seeing my kids. Yes, we hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's time to switch prices up. Yeah. Gosh, that's a really interesting point. And if we do decide to put our prices up, is there a way that you recommend your clients sort of communicate that to their clients? Um, Yeah, look, there's a a few ways around it. I mean, you can be really upfront about it and just let them know, hey, as of such and such a date, I'm having a price rise. Mm -hmm. Price rise. Um, which is fine if you're only having a small price rise. Um, and I think that that's possibly, you know, the best way of going about it if you're only having a small price rise. I personally tend to give my, my existing clients a bit of a leeway mm-hmm. so that they, you know, if I've got any quotes already in the system and jobs that I'm already working on and that kind of stuff, I'll continue to do that at the old pricing and then let them know for the next sort of project maybe coming along. Um, but it's a real issue if you're finding that you're way undercharging. Yeah. And um, the best way around that can be just to totally reposition what you offer. So if, this is where packages are really good, so you just completely change your package. <laughs> okay. 
and go, right, well, I was offering that for that. Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this and I'm going to change it to this and and charge more for it. One of the things that I do when I'm sort of talking about putting packages together is to obviously understand exactly what your customers need, um, but also the things that you really enjoy doing or you can do quite efficiently. Okay. And so you're no longer working on that for time basis. So they're going to, you know, if there's something that they find really value that you can do really quickly um, and efficiently, making sure that that's included, especially if they're going to get really good value out of that, but then you can charge a higher rate for that. Mm. So you're still charging more, creating it at a higher level um, without actually running yourself ragged. Yeah, so working to your strengths and... Protecting Working your strengths and protecting yourself and doing the things you really enjoy doing. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the biggest energy sucks are actually getting caught up doing things that you really shouldn't have said yes to in the first place. Yes. So, um, you know, and sometimes you can put some pain money on that, but sometimes it's just best to not do it. Yeah, let it go. Um, and and yeah, you sorry. might get someone else, you know, Having the margin then in place to have somebody else do that is really worthwhile. Definitely. And I did note that in your in your article, which I will put in the in the notes to this podcast episode, but you did note, you know, outsourcing and how important that is. So that, yeah. yeah. Look, it's my biggest issue is when you're outsourcing, you know, a lot of soloists do everything themselves. Um, and I've known accountants who have spent a whole day trying, or two days or a whole week trying to design a logo. Oh, no. Yeah. And going, you are not earning your account. And then having to work, you know, crazy hours or whatever they're doing, doing their accounting work um, to catch up. And going, you could have just spent your time doing that and paid a designer. <laughs> yes. Gosh. That's a lesson um, you hopefully learn once, right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> But, you know, just have, you know, someone's earning a bucket load of money as a consultant. Why on earth are they preparing their own proposals? Yeah, yeah. You know, or doing their own social media. Yeah. When, you know, you're actually denying yourself potential income because you're feeling really busy so you won't actually take on extra clients or you'll, you know, or even you might not even attract the clients because you're feeling too busy mm. when, in fact, someone else out there could be doing it at a much lower rate and you'd be making far more money. It's an excellent point. Something yeah. to think about. Oh, absolutely. When we're I think our... we like to do everything. I don't know if we like to keep control, but there is this idea of like if you're working as a soloist that you're meant to do everything. Yeah. No. And I just wonder if, if that, that comes with the, you know, in the very beginning stages where you sort of feel like to get it off the ground, you have to do that. Look, you do have to do it perhaps. Look, when cash flow is an issue, mm. And you don't have a lot of resources at your disposal. And sometimes it's just good to learn the skills too and know what's involved. But beyond about 12 months, two years, no. And I know, look, I've known really experienced business people who have been in business for years find it really hard to ask someone to, you know, get some basic admin help. Yeah. It's like, but you could be earning so much more money for your family if you just did that. Yes. Or you could be spending more time with your family. And ho- um, hopefully with- those kind of people are, are listening to this. And like the, the last thing actually I wanted to talk to you about, which is a good segue from that, is in terms of well-being. So 
we're trying to talk a lot more at Flying Solo now about how we protect our health and our well-being as mm. solo business owners because we yeah. all know, as you've just mentioned several times there, that burnout isn't is is far too common. Uh, I was wondering if you could share with us what your sort of if there's a number one thing or maybe there's several um, thing that you definitely prioritize to make sure that you're you're healthy and your well-being is okay as you're yeah. busy building your business. Yeah, the number one thing I prioritise is actually getting out of my little studio mm-hmm. and being with people. Um, you know, and some days that's not the most productive thing to go to my little co-working group. <laughs> but I, I, I've actually worked out what I can get away with doing there and what I can't. Like, you know, I don't do any writing when I'm co-working. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to stop that isolation because it just gets in your head. Uh, I mean, some people are better at working at home alone all the time by themselves. Yeah. But I actually like being with people. And I need, and I get a lot of value, actually, from the feedback that they give. Um, I've also had really great collaborations with some of the people that I co-work with. Um, you know, and just sometimes I've been able to, you know, ask a quick question and not have to pay for the help that I might have had to have paid for otherwise. Always a bonus. <laughs> it's always a bonus. And I'm sure they get the same for me. Um, but that, that for me is don't feel like you have to be on your own. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many, I mean, we don't even have a fancy co-working space. We meet in a cafe once a week. And I've been doing that for three years now. Wow, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I have just joined a a co-working space as well but because I figured once a week's not enough for me, But um, especially not during winter. Um, But, yeah, it's not like you have to do everything properly. If you can find a group of like-minded people in your local area and meet up once a week to co-work and and a cafe that's willing to have you and is willing to put on decent internet for you, where you, you know, yeah, pay them in coffees there. and lunches. Yeah. Um, that that's a really great way of, you know, building this little village in the community. Um, I think that that's part of what this movement of being in small business is about. Mm, that's such a good tip. Kath, thank you so much for your time today. I just wondered if you wanted to give yourself a little plug here at the end for your website or your Instagram or your Facebook or wherever you like people to find you. Um. Sure, sure. So Wholehearted Marketing, it's uh, wholeheartedmarketing.com.au. Um, I do hang out a little bit on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, I've removed the E in marketing, wholehearted, so MKTD. It's a bit tricky to find. You'll find me. Look it up. Um, and, yeah, so I can certainly help with strategy stuff and consulting and just – about to start some web, some sort of basic workshops and stuff as well. They're not up yet, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing a bit of training with people on some of these really basic wholehearted marketing essentials to, to help solve some of those really sort of big picture issues that people have that, that stop them from really getting where they want to go. So good. And you can also find lots of Kath's articles on our Flying Solo website and I'll include a link to all of this um, on the episode. Thanks so much, Kath, again. Speak to you soon. My pleasure, Lucy. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Kath. That was awesome. Great. Got it all. That was great. That was great. That went really quickly. (laughs) 
I know. Just like, watching oh my it. God, that was nearly half an hour, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was pretty much straight on, dead on. Um, that's terrific. So this probably will be a few weeks away, but I'll make sure I send it to you before we go live so you can have a yep. quick listen and I'll do an article around it as well. So we'll get yeah, a couple great, of bits cool. of content. I suppose I'd better start writing again. <laughs> yes. And thank you for all those articles. <laughs> Any ideas? Anything you want? Uh, well, you know, like I wanted to just then if you want to write about you, the benefits of your once a week with your co-working group. Yeah. So I reckon that's really interesting. And I hadn't thought about that before as a as a well-being sort of thing, but it definitely is. So, Oh, God, it is the only thing that saved me. Yeah, right. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, I have just wore, joined Waterman's as well. but um, Okay. But I just think that, that one that you've yeah. said about yeah, no, I'm happy oh, to do hooking that. up with your like, mates. and Yeah. Hooking up with my mates. And look, it was completely a random find on a community group that I had these two guys who went, hey, we're going to start a co-working group. So interesting. That's such a yeah, great idea. One of, them's wanted, one of them's wanted to put a space together, but, you know, it just doesn't quite work out for him. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. we, but three years later, we still get together once a week. And That's brilliant. And to, to, to go to a local cafe and to say, yeah, we're going to be here all day and we're going to do this, and that's good for them. It's good for their business also. Oh, absolutely, especially midweek, you know, when they might be a bit quieter and, um, you know, supporting local business, I, you know. I think it's a really good way to go and you get to know people then in your community. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All so right. good. So clever. Let's I start can, with that. I can do that one. That'd yep. be great. And then we'll, um, and if you, I mean, I don't know if everyone would be open to it, but if you wanted to include a photo of all of you guys just, you know, sitting around the table, that'd be cool. Yeah, we might not do that yet. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to out everyone. <laughs> we have one from like years ago. Where That's okay. That's we're, okay. A bit, we're a bit diminished in numbers at the moment. That's all right. We'll do a lovely little stock image then with it. That's... A little stock image. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much, Kath, for the last minute notice as well. Thank you. Oh, that's all right, Lucy. Okay. Um, cool. Thank we'll you. Talk to you again soon. soon. Okay. Bye. bye. See ya. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 